Today is a little bit different. I've been holding on to this, y'all, for, for a few weeks now, to be honest with you. And in our series, Numb, we've talked about love. And then Travis came in and he killed it last week and we talked about love. And today, Christ's love in us and then flowing out of us is still the root of everything we're talking about. But I want to shift it just a little bit and help you understand what it means for you. Not what it means for the pastor alone, not what it means for like the leaders and just the people that you see, but for every single person, for the young people and for the old people and for everybody in between, for all of us, what it looks like. Because I need y'all to talk to me today. I'm going to point my microphone at you when I need you to talk. Can everybody talk to me in this place? Can y'all agree with me that what we're watching on TV and where the world is right now needs a little help. Can anybody agree with me? Amen. We need a little help. And here's the deal. I don't know if y'all watch the news. If you don't, just keep not because it's kind of depressing. But if y'all watch the news and you watch like the political debates that are coming up and you watch the rhetoric back and forth between the political candidates, I just want to cry. Because if anybody... Is pumped up about your candidate. What are you looking at? You know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't see it. Now, I will vote for somebody, but I'm not pumped up about somebody. I'm embarrassed about somebody. It's huge. Like, it's embarrassing, right? But anyway, we'll move on. But but this is the deal, is I think we get so caught up and so anxious and so overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, this has to change. And this is what I read every single day on one of my social media timelines. Every single day, every, every single day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Y'all ever see that? Oh Lord, this world is falling apart. Come quick. Oh my gosh, if we, if any, help Lord. And so... This is, this is going to take some adjusting maybe for some people in the room, but I'm going to challenge that mindset. See, in the last 2,000 years since Jesus was on the earth and then he came and he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, which is to die, pay the price for our sins, live a sinless life, and then leave and leave his Holy Spirit with us, there was a small block of time about 300 years, not even quite that long, after Jesus left, that Christianity exploded, y'all. And people did it out of the root of love. And the Roman government tried to overthrow Christianity to the point that it, that it did not exist anymore. And every time that they did it, it rose even farther. Did you know almost 7 million Christians were martyred, were killed for their faith? 7 million. More than the Holocaust. Without modern warfare. And without a real organized religion because it was growing, but it was a movement that was taking place because people believed. And they didn't get apathetic because of, of being comfortable in it because it was against the law. And so every time I see people say, God help us, this Christian country is falling apart, I just say, bring on the resistance because that's when the truth is going to rise up. I'm not hoping that this country turns away, y'all. I'm hoping that the solution begins to rise up. I'm looking at the solution. God left his Holy Spirit for us so that the world will see that we are his light. Because 
I can't manufacture the light. I can pull out my flashlight and I can show you a light. But that's not what we're talking about. It's him in us that's the light. And it's him in us that's the hope of glory that changes the world. We don't need Jesus to come back. He left his Holy Spirit for us. He's in us and he's waiting for us, everybody. And that's the deal. So here's my question today. Do y'all believe? Do y'all believe? And you don't even have to answer this. You can chew on it for a second. Do y'all believe that a move of God is possible to where the whole world begins to say, what's going on? What's, what's going on between Greenville and Spartanburg, South Carolina? It's not about a church. Listen to me. I want y'all to hear this clearly because I'm putting the flag in the ground today, everybody. And people might think that dude's crazy. And 30 years from now, we might say I'm crazy. When I'm trying to hang them up and go do whatever you're supposed to do when you retire, I don't know if that's going to work for me, so we might do something else. But I'm not satisfied with a number of people in a church. Is that okay with y'all? I don't have a goal that one day we could be 5,000 or one day we could be 10,000. I want to be a part of the greatest move of God in the history of the world. A part of it. And I believe the reason that it hasn't happened is because we get numb to the fact that a move of God is the goal, not a bunch of people gathering together. That you are the hope of glory because Jesus Christ has come inside of you, saved you, and left his Holy Spirit for you. That you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. And that this is possible to literally affect every single man, woman, and child that we come in contact with with his gospel. So, here's what I want y'all to see is um, in 1981... In 1981, these guys got together, 10 of them. Nine of them were investors, and one guy named Bob Pittman specifically was kind of the, the brain behind the operation. And they came to the major cable networks. Y'all remember the big satellite dishes back in the day, right, that you had to king, 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 right? Who remembers that? Old people, raise your hand, because I know none of the young people knew that. We had satellite dishes that were as big as this stage, and when you changed the channel, it had to go ging, 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 and find the satellite. It was awesome. And they came to those people, and they said, we can, we can do something this big. We can have the first cable news network that will make money. Well, first of all, no one believes that, because how do you know you're going to make money, right? And then the second thing they said is, and it will shift the culture. And it was called music, television, and everybody said, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And years passed, and people began to watch it. And, and people my age remember some of the shows that we used to watch and we used to laugh at that our mamas didn't know we were watching, like Beavis and Butthead, right? Y'all tell the truth. <laughs> oh, shut up, Beavis, right? Everybody remembers it. Just don't admit that y'all watched it. I hear you out there. I don't know where you are, but I used to watch it with you, and your mama didn't know we was watching it, but don't tell nobody. But then, listen, in 1992, the real world started. Young people, look it up. Y'all don't have to know. And it was, they introduced the world to reality TV. I got a question for y'all. Is reality TV big today? Yes. That's all you see. And then I remember... At the time, people saying, that is the dumbest thing. Who wants to watch that reality TV? Here's something else interesting. This isn't really even funny. It's just the truth. Did you know that the real world in 92 when it was established was the first time that homosexuality agenda was pushed on the American people? And people lost their minds. This will never happen. How dare they do that? People got mad. 
people. I'm talking about everybody. I'm not talking about Christians. Everybody. There were boycotts and people picketed outside of their stations. They hated, they hated, they hated. I just, I, y'all, can, y'all can answer this to me because this is how my brain works. Can anybody in here agree with me that maybe in 2016 they affected the culture? Because maybe today if you decide that you're not for everything that they're for, that you get ostracized. And maybe in 92 it wasn't, but in 2016 it is, and maybe they had an effect. Can, can y'all watch the news and see the difference of what took place from 92 till now? Is anybody with me? Can y'all see what I'm talking about? And here is what Bob Pittman said. I'm going to show you what I want a teenager to look like. And he brought a teenager into the room, and he put a hat on backwards, and he cut up his jeans, and he dressed, in a, dressed them in a certain way, and the people were like, no one's going to do that. I just want y'all to walk around and look. I'm about to preach. My gosh, I'm about to do a cartwheel. Mm. I just wonder this, and I'm frustrated, so, but I'm not trying to preach out of frustration. Why does MTV, and I'm not even bashing those guys, I respect the fact that they believed that they could affect the culture. I just wonder this. Why does music television get to decide what our culture is going to look like more than the bride of Jesus Christ? I just wonder that today. Here's the problem, everybody. It's this word that we're going to keep hitting on, and it's called apathy. And it's because maybe in a church service, y'all can get motivated and excited behind something. The word apathy means suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. Suppression. Have y'all noticed that Ryan Lochte is a bigger story than Baton Rouge, Louisiana? We have suppressed ourselves to watching a new show. And because Baton Rouge is 1,200 miles away, it's dead to us. We don't even think about it. My heart breaks for them. But I can forget about it just like that because I'm apathetic to their needs right now. And I'm thankful for the people doing stuff, but my attitude becomes someone else will do it. I'm just telling y'all right now, the minute that the body of Jesus Christ, and we're only, listen, we're responsible for us. I'm I'm not picking on other churches, but I'm talking about a move of God today. It's when we don't look out at the world and see people on the side of the road or see immigrants in foreign countries and think, what if they hurt us? What if they do? The very worst thing that can happen to Mark Pangle is that I meet Jesus today. To God be the glory. Let's go home if God's calling us home. But if we're always on pins and needles worrying about what might happen, what might happen to my kid, what might happen to everything else, then apathy is my culture. And the only thing that I can accomplish with that is anger, is looking out at people and then putting up boycotts, putting up signs, being angry, and telling them how bad they are. And y'all, the enemy of love is apathy. It's literally the problem that we're in. I do not believe most of you hate each other, whether it's race or gender. I don't believe hate is the root. I believe apathy or just numbness is the root. But it leads to then hate. We don't set out to be where we are. 
But we are where we are, and I believe y'all can agree with that today. We are exactly where we have planned to go. Our direction has been in this way for a long time, and we haven't looked with his eyes and with his love. We've looked with our own agendas. We Listen, this isn't about y'all. This is about my journey and my lifetime. I can't tell you how many conversations, and to God be the glory, it hasn't happened here. But in the 10 previous years that I worked at churches, before I came here, I can't tell you how many conversations I had. The pastor is not feeding me enough. I'm not enjoying this. I don't find my worth. I don't know where to be. When did it become about Mark? I made it this because I'm apathetic to everything that Jesus came for. He said, not me. In Luke chapter 14, I came to seek and to save the lost. And we look out at the lost, the dying world, and the people that are living like hell, but they don't know Jesus. And we think, God help them. They're nasty. God help me for not seeing that, that I was there. But now I see only because of his grace, not because of what I do. So this is what I want y'all to know today. If you walk away with nothing else, maybe walk away with this thought and then chew on it. Cultures don't change because we pick it and we boycott. Cultures don't change because we throw rocks. And we have done this for 17 centuries. We have hated presidents. And people, listen, if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to act like a Christian. we got to stop putting that junk on them. And we've got to show them something better because the only way to change a culture is to replace it with something better. And if music television can believe they can, I'm ready to be a part of something that is much bigger than Mark, much bigger than Four Points, and much bigger than any one individual. And to see a move of God take place that is bigger than all of us combined. Is anybody in here today? So here's the deal. The staff's heard this, but now y'all get to. If you want something different, you got to do something different. That's profound, isn't it? Are y'all with me? If you want something different, you can't talk about it. We need a little less talk and a lot more. Blam, y'all are with me. We watch TV and we go, I wish they wouldn't. Why don't we? Why not us? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to go back to the churches of Revelation that I preached two weeks ago, and I'm going to go to the last one. Two weeks ago, I read the first one. This week, I'm going to read the last one. And this is the church of Laodicea. It's also in modern-day Turkey. And I believe that this one is fascinating because I believe it describes where the church is today. Because here's the deal. I believe the enemy's goal for your life is to make it about you. Because if you can make it about you, you can't lock arms with the person sitting beside you. And you can't see the forest from the trees. And you can't believe that it's not exactly what you see. And God has something bigger in mind for his namesake. And so I constantly fight against the battle of, God, this is never going to change. I'm miserable. I just feel like doing nothing. Before I get started, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, I want y'all to know this. Or verse 6, yeah, verse 15, excuse me. I want y'all to know this. In modern day Laodicea, I don't recommend traveling to Turkey right now because they have a little unrest going on. But there's hotels there that are really nice, five-star hotels, and they're on hot springs. 
And so the temperature stays 104 degrees. That would be really nice, by the way, for the guys getting baptized this morning. If we had 104 degree underwater, right, that would be sweet. And I would get in it to God be the glory. I like a hot tub. But like, and then there's some underwater cold springs and they provide fresh water and it's perfectly clear and purified. And there's these weird places that they come together and it is nasty. Nasty. This will make sense in a minute. Y'all look at this. So this is to this city, this place, and it says, I know your works. You're neither cold. You see, when we read this, we just buzz through and we're like, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking specifically about their region, about their place. And he said, I know you're neither cold nor hot. Useful hot springs. Useful cold to drink. But there's this one place that comes together and it literally smells like puke. Today, it's disgusting. So when they read this, they didn't think, what's he talking about, Willis? Right? They were like, we know what you're talking about. Would that you were either cold or hot so that because you are lukewarm, somebody say lukewarm, because you're lukewarm, because you're apathetic, because you're just meh, and neither hot or cold, I spit you out of my mouth. That word literally means vomit just like their nostrils would have seen. Now listen, I think this is so interesting. Because the Bible calls you the fragrance of Jesus. You are the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. When, when we pray and when we go around and love on somebody and when we do his work, you put off a fragrance that maybe you can't see and maybe you can't smell, but it is the fragrance of Jesus. But, gracious day, somebody talk to me in this place right now. Listen, I believe that if we could look out with his eyes just for a second, we would say the fragrance of Jesus isn't what the church has put off for the last decade, decade, decade behind that. It's our own agenda. It's not trying to reach them and show them the love and, and, see, a move, and see a culture shift and believe as a bunch of crazy people where people laugh at us and say, there's no way they can shift a culture. But when it comes off, it comes off not like the fragrance of Jesus. That's a sweet spirit. But like vomit. Because we want it our way, right away, at Jesus King now. Come on, somebody. Verse 17. This is the verse, everybody. For I say, I am rich. This is us. This is me. I may have never personally said I am rich. But I don't have to say I have tons of money to say I am rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. When I read this, y'all, I thought about when I was in college, a bunch of buddies of mine and I from North Greenville tried to hit the whole section of 290 from, from uh, excuse me, the whole section of 290 from 29 all the way to 25 in Traveler's Rest. We tried to hit every house. It's fascinating. Here's why. When we would go to the lower income homes, people welcomed us in. They offered us something to drink. And they were so kind to us, and we saw many people trust Jesus. We went to the higher-income houses where the people made more money, the more white-collar areas. I literally had doors slammed in my face. I, I give y'all my word. Portion the driveway. I can close my eyes and take you to the house. I have no idea if the family still lives there or not. But I remember this day where a guy said, look at what I got. Do you think I need that Jesus you're talking about? And slam the door in my face. Boom. And I kind of laughed because I'm a little bit obnoxious and full of myself, everybody. So I kind of went, holy cow. And, and then 
I walked away and went to the next house and just thought, God help us because that is what we are. Now, we may never say to a pastor, do you think I need that Jesus? But that's what we tell the world. We tell the world, you don't need this Jesus that we're following. We're not really believers. We, we believe about him. But we're not all about his agenda. We're about our agenda. And as a result, we don't care for the fragrant aroma of Jesus if you do what I don't like that you do. Because I'm going to make sure that you know where I come from and where I stand. And I don't need to worry about what you do. The pastor will do that. There's some pastors I wish could hear this, y'all. So I'm not standing up here with pride saying, look what I'm doing. I'm standing up here believing that God is going to shift something in all of our lives. Not realizing that we are wretched and pitiable and poor, blind, and naked. That we are numb, but we see with our own human eyes and say, I've got it. We're, we sing songs, God bless America. We, look at all that I have. And that's how we define ourselves. I don't have as much as her. I don't have as much as him. I deserve to have more, so I'm angry. And I never, me, never consider the people on the side of the road because I can't even see them. Because I'm mad that someone talked to someone else and I'm mad that someone didn't share a post and I'm mad at all these other things that happened and I call out to God, help me God, I need to get more and then I can serve you. Not realizing that I'm pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You know what's interesting is I would argue that a blind person knows that they're blind but a spiritually blind person has no clue. And it's because we have trained our eyes to see exactly what we think we should see and not what he has called us to be. And I find this interesting, the word blind. It doesn't say deaf. Did y'all notice that? It says blind. And, and the interesting thing about this is faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith is but we sh being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot but we so want to see the next steps in our lives that we just get angry when we can't know the next thing. And we tell God, God, if you don't show me, I'm not moving. He literally came as a human being to give us the blueprint and the game plan and then left his spirit for us. And we tell him we can't see because we're pitiful, poor, blind and naked in spirit. But we say that we're rich because seeing is believing, right? That's what we think. And we're numb. We're numb to what God has called us to do. And then look at what he says here. This is so fascinating. I counsel you to buy from me. This is Jesus. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Maybe not prosperous on this earth, but rich in your spirit. White garments so that you may clothe yourself and not be naked. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. The Bible says in Psalm 8 that he clothed me in glory and honor. But I also believe this, y'all. Even though he's clothed me in glory and honor, I have the right to make it about me and take off his covering. And walk around and say, God, where are you? What's going on? Well, he's clothed us in that, Christ followers. And we're walking around and no one can see his clothing on us. No one can see the imprint of his kabod that he has left for us. 
his kingdom that we are supposed to be establishing for him because nothing is rooted in Christ's love. It's all rooted in what can you do for me? And the result of that is just devastation and boycotts and hate and pointing fingers. Rather than when the enemy and the hurt and the flesh comes against us, we stand up in love. And even though 7 million of us may fall, 10 million of us will be added and God's kingdom will never fail and it will always stand up and it will always be more and we believe that because we believe him not some crazy pastor but we believe the king of kings and it becomes about him and and salve to anoint your eyes now listen this is crazy salve is like almost like a plaster that they used to cover eyes with when they were so deeply wounded in war when or a bright light would hit you and they didn't have modern medicine that we do now, they would put salve on it. And people could then see again as a result of the salve when it would harden and then it would come back off. Some of us need some salve to cover up the the eyes that we've seen today and get some of Jesus' eyes so that then we can see with his eyes and we can start loving with his love because we have seen for far too long what we've wanted to see, but he is waiting on you to see what he has called you to see and be what he's called you to be. Now look at this, so that you may see. He, he doesn't not want you to see. It's not like he's, he's called you to, to be blind forever. But he wants you to see what he desires for you to see. And we don't care what he has. We just want what we want. And then listen to this. This is powerful. Verse 19. Those who I love, I reprove and discipline. Not to be hateful. But because he wants you to see and be exactly what he's called you to be. It says, so be zealous and repent. And this is what we lack because of apathy. This is literally the opposite. It's not the enemy, it's the opposite. It's passion burning inside. When I see passion, the only passion that I see, y'all, and maybe someone in here can agree with me, is hate. I don't see the passion for love. And so the result is people look out and say, oh, that's what they're about. here's the truth if I find my identity in like getting pats on the back and getting people to tell me I did good can I just be honest with y'all today and take off all my pretend clothes and just be very vulnerable if I get fulfilled based on how many rear ends are in seats can I tell you how unfulfilling that is on Monday morning when you get bad news or when your grandma goes in ICU, or when your wife gets really sick, or when your kids are so rebellious you don't know where to turn, or when anything else happens, if Jesus Christ is not the only thing that defines me, then I will be up and down and up and down and up and down, and hate will become my culture, and eventually where I, what I live for is where I'll die. It's a cross that I die on if I build it for myself. He never called you to die on the cross called you to pick it up and follow him and most of us build crosses all over the place that we're willing to die on and he he doesn't need us to do that he already took on sin and death he's just waiting on you he's just waiting on you I want to finish with with um, first Peter chapter 2 I think this is so cool he tells us what to put away. Look at this. Put away malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Put away the things. Listen, I'm not going to describe what all of them are, but put away the things that are all about you. 
making yourself look better in other, in other light and slandering people's names and, and, and making sure that you're the one that they see in good character and then, and then trying to make people believe that you're doing better than, than you really are. We, we don't need any more of that. Can anybody agree with me in this place? And like newborn infants, and it's okay, y'all. It's okay to take the bottle sometime. You don't have to eat a whole big ribeye steak every single Sunday and feel like I got fed and I know a history lesson, but now I walk away unchanged. That's what I believe the church is today. Capital C. Like, like babies that, that many of us have had long for that pure milk, we should long for his spiritual milk that you may grow up into your salvation, that it may not stay the same, that people may begin to see a difference in you, but you can try as hard as you want, y'all, and you can set your mind and say, I'm going to do this. But if it's not about him rooted in Christ's love, you will not. And we'll look back and go, what happened? The enemy wants to distract you more than destroy you because eventually it will destroy you. He just wants to take your eyes off of Jesus. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Has anybody in here ever tasted how good the Lord is? Can you just say yes if that's you? Y'all, verse 9 is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, and I'm going to try not to cut a flip, but look at what it says. Listen, this is you. This is not your pastor alone. This is not some pastor that you follow on TV or some amazing evangelist that you think, that guy has a crazy anointing. All of you have that. You may not be called to hold a microphone. Who even cares about that? We make a difference out there, not on this stage. It's what we do, not what we say that makes the difference. Look, but you are a chosen race. Not whites, not Hispanics, not blacks, not you. God's people who were grafted into the faith, what Romans 11 says. We are God's chosen race. Everyone that follows Jesus, a royal priesthood. You are royalty. My goodness. Every second that you feel bad about who you are or what you've accomplished, you forget that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession is for his purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What if we believe that? What if we started saying, not God, I just I don't think I'm good enough. I don't care about being good enough, everybody. I am the royal priesthood of God. I'm standing up to declare this today, that it is no longer acceptable to try to grow a church to a certain size or to try to do a certain thing or to try to be good enough or to hope that you like me or to hope that you like each other. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God, and they need it. And if Bob Pittman can stand up in a, in a board meeting and say, we're going to change the world because we're going to establish a new culture that's better. I got news for Bob Pittman, and I got news for every news agency, and I don't care if nobody hears this or if everybody hears this. We got something way better than they've ever had because we got Jesus. And here's the shift. Here's the shift that's got to take place, y'all. It's not y'all following a pastor and think, thinking he's awesome. This dude sins every day. Please do not walk away and think that dude is good. This dude's so jacked up right now. Y'all, I woke up yesterday. I told the team that prayed together at 845. I woke up so discouraged yesterday. 
I was praying and I had to drive somewhere and I was praying. I was, I was not real kind to my family and I was like, what's wrong with me? I, things are so good. We had 500 and stinking 40 people in church last week. That should make me happy. And I feel like it's not good enough. And, and just as I'm quiet and still, I heard the Lord say, just be still, Mark. Just shut up and listen to me. Bro, you're a royal priesthood. You don't need all that. You just need me. You just need me. And y'all, I was driving down 85. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just thanked the Lord. And I said, you're right. I'm so selfish. I don't want to be a part of a big church alone. I do believe this place is going to be massive, y'all. But that doesn't define us. Because, y'all, if I die and I pastor a church of 5,000 people, and people say, man, that dude was a good leader or a good pastor, God, who cares, man? Like, really, truly, if I saw my tombstone, this is what I want to say. This is what I told the Lord yesterday. That guy was a part of the greatest move of God in the history of the world because for the first time, since maybe 300 AD, a group of people said, it ain't about us. It's about him and establishing his kingdom and leaving an imprint. And if it just hits the upstate of South Carolina, that's more than we can say, y'all, about what's happened in the past. But I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, people will begin to take notice when we start loving people that we shouldn't. Here's how it affects you. It's not about you trying to call every single person, all 8 billion people in this world. It's about you allowing God to have control of you in your life. Your culture begins to change inside of you and inside of your home. And your next door neighbors go, what is wrong with them? Because they really like each other. And we begin to see people that look different or sound different or vote different or act different than us. And we just hug them and we say, you know what? We can dis disagree, but I love you in the love of the Lord. That I can look at a Muslim family and sit down and eat dinner with them. God forbid. That is amazing that we can do that, right? No, we can. And we can hug them and love them. And they may never accept the truth. But we can love them right where they are. And I'm telling you right now, everything changes. And that is how we change the world. But for a culture change to take place... Jesus has to be enough. So this is the invitation. Y'all look at this verse. It's the verse in back to Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door of your heart, I will come into him and eat with him and fellowship with him and be with him or her every single day. And he with me. The opportunity for you is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ not saying a prayer not magic words but personally trusting him so this is what I want you to do everybody's looking around Pastor Mark that's what I need today that's what I need today for the very first time I need to trust him because I've tried everything else and I don't know Jesus listen if that's you if you're not bold enough to do this in this room I understand I'm not trying to put you on the spot but I just want you to stand up in front of all your peers. If we're going to do a culture change, standing up with a bunch of people that are going to lose their minds like you just scored the game-winning touchdown is not the place that you should be afraid of, y'all. 
I just wonder in this room, is there anybody that says, I don't know Jesus, and I want to stand up in front of everybody and say, that's me, and I need Jesus right now. You stand up to your feet right where you are. Come on, stand up to your feet right where you are. That's me. That's me. This is for everybody then. I am ready to be the culture change. Y'all, I'm not praying for a revival. I need you to hear this. You're the revival. I'm not praying that God will do a great move. You're the move of God. When our people look at each other and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nothing can stop us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I just wonder in this room, is anybody with me? Is anybody willing to say, that's me? And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm with you. I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm with you to the end. I'm with you, Lord. You see everyone standing. God, I believe a move is about to take place. God, do what only you can do. This is the starting point. This isn't the end. This is the starting point. So today, God, you move. And in Jesus' name, let everyone see that you're the only way, that your love is the only way. We love you, Jesus, and we're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you're getting baptized, y'all leave right now to get changed.